Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from Training Industry. Hi there, welcome to the Business of Learning. I'm Sarah Gallo, an editor here at Training Industry with my co-host, Michelle Eggleston-Schwartz, Editorial Director. This episode of the Business of Learning is sponsored by the Certified Professional in Training Management Program. The Certified Professional in Training Management Credential, or CPTM, is designed to convey the essential competencies you need to manage a training organization. When you become a CPTM, you gain access to alumni resources like monthly peer roundtables and a full registration to the Training Industry Conference and Expo. If you start today, you can earn the CPTM credential in as little as two months. To learn more, visit cptm.trainingindustry.com. Learning and development leaders are also business leaders who are responsible for engaging learners with innovative training experiences and ensuring that it translates to better performance. But most of us aren't born business savvy. Business acumen is a skill that can be learned and is one that many learning leaders struggle to master. Today, we're speaking with Emily Rico, Senior Manager of Learning Design and Global Enablement at Salesforce, and Micah Jacobson, Director of Learning Design and Global Enablement at Salesforce, to learn how training professionals can build their business acumen and position themselves and the whole L&D function for success. Emily, Micah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Really excited to be here. Likewise. Yes, welcome. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today to discuss everything business acumen. So to get started, why don't you both share your own definitions for business acumen? Micah, do you want to get started? Happy to. Yeah, I think of business acumen is that really critical ability to really understand how money flows through an organization. It's understanding not just the flow of money, but the incentives underneath that flow that allow people to really dial in on business drivers. That would be some some version of my definition. Emily? Yeah, I agree with Micah. I think it's also about understanding the big picture and what's important to your stakeholders. It's kind of a combination of economics, finance, operations. And I like to say it's the ability to speak the common language of the business. I really like that, the language of the business. I really like that definition. Definitely. And, you know, we we mentioned before that we're not really born speaking that language. At least most of us aren't. So what's really been your experience building your own business acumen as a learning leader? Emily, do you want to start us off here? Sure. I'm really excited to be part of this podcast because business acumen is something that I've actually been working a lot on. Like you said, it's not something that we're born knowing. I never went to business school. So it's something that I've learned through mostly mentorship by finding people at the companies I've been at who have that tacit knowledge about what's been done, why things are the way they are, and just asking them lots of questions. I also have done some listening to podcasts about our industry, specifically the tech industry, since that's what I've done learning design in. And at my previous company, leadership actually made it their goal to be super transparent. And at every company meeting, they would show the same few metrics that really gave us insight into where to focus and how our company was performing. So having this repetition helped me 
think, okay, I just need to know these three or four things and figure out what those mean. And then I'll, I'll be good. But if your company isn't able to be that transparent about their metrics, you can also just look at industry specific metrics. And I think that it's a good place to get started. I love it because Emily and I, I think represent the polar opposite extremes of, of this conversation. I feel like I was born into business acumen with my father uh, as a financial planner. My brothers followed in his footsteps. So we started playing the stock market game when I was 10 years old and I had my own company by the time I was 17. So for me, the idea of understanding how a business makes money was sort of first and foremost in my mind. And then unlike Emily, I did actually go and get an MBA and that solidified and cemented this idea that understanding what's driving your business allows you to make more strategic choices. And I think that's incredibly true as the L&D industry is transforming itself right now. And it's transforming itself, not just because it's a good idea, but because the world is transforming it. The drivers are changing with the pandemic, with the speed of change in most businesses these days, understanding why your business is changing and how learning and design has to feed into that in sometimes completely new ways. I think it's more crucial than it's ever been. I think particularly since Micah and I are really involved with sales teams as well, it just becomes a part of, of what we do. To be a good salesperson, you have to be a trusted advisor to your customers and your prospects. And so as learning designers for sales, we need to understand kind of both layers and both perspectives as well. That's right. Those are really great points. Thank you both for sharing. Um, I really like what you touched on there about understanding what drives the business and how learning and design must feed into that, I think is just a critical idea for learning leaders, especially to understand. So kind of with that, I'd love for us to elaborate a little bit more on why it, it is important that learning and development leaders have this strong understanding of business processes and priorities. Micah, do you want to share? Yeah, in anticipation of the show, I was really giving that some intense reflection. And it's so interesting to think about because every single instructional design or learning experience design program in the world, everything that training industry does, if you think about it, it always starts with this concept of a business need. That you see that in every single Addy presentation and every single SAM presentation and every single way we want learning designers think, we want them to be grounded in a business need. And if you don't understand what a business needs, that's always going to be an elusive concept to you. So I think first and foremost, really understanding what the business actually needs versus what your stakeholder needs. And by the way, those can be different is a really foundational component of being an excellent learning designer. We are not, we are not abstracted from the business. We're not order takers in the best circumstances. I like to say that I'm trying to kill the term instructional design because we don't design instructions. We design learning experiences, and those have to be grounded in where the business is heading, not where it's been. And so understanding that need is crucial to that conversation. That's great. Emily, do you have anything to add on that? Yeah, I think what Micah's really getting at is it helps you to build influence. And the more that you know, and the more you can become a credible partner, the more you can influence your company to move forward in really great learning design. And you can influence your stakeholders to kind of open their eyes to what the business actually needs versus what they think they need or what their team needs. Really great point, Emily. Perfect. Well, I think it's super important to note that when many of us hear the word 
business acumen, we think of money, whether it's budgeting or managing and distributing resources. I mean, Micah, you mentioned that you played the stock market game when you were 10 years old. Do you have any tips on how that financial literacy can really help learning leaders build their business acumen skills? Yeah, Sarah, I would actually take it up a level because the word acumen actually just means decision making. And so when we talk about business acumen, it's, it's fundamentally about making decisions. And that's one of the reasons I love our field. It's because learning is for decision-making. We learn things, so we make decisions in the future that allow us to be more productive, more connected, more valuable, all those kinds of things. And when I think about trying to learn it, there are a ton of ways to do it. You can go onto Amazon and Google Mini MBA. You can Google financial acumen, and there's all kinds of, of hot tips, but the real source of it is just trying. What Emily neglected to, to mention is that she's actually finished her, um, her uh, what is it called, the, the Alt-MBA program, Emily? And I think that's just a great example of Emily saw an opportunity to build her, her skills, and then she just did it. That, I think, is probably the thing that stands in the way of most people when they think about learning any new thing is just that shift to say, I'm just going to go do it no matter what it takes. Start with Google and go from there. Emily, what do you think about these, uh, this idea of trying to consciously build your business acumen skills? Yeah, I think just doing something that makes you uncomfortable, just get started, like Micah was saying. At both companies that I've worked at, I've volunteered to manage our department budget. And I think that's really been a good way for me to build my business acumen as well. Like I said, I had to learn a lot from scratch. Like I had never really seen a P&L statement, but just looking at where the dollars are allocated, you can understand prioritization. And there's usually a finance partner that you can bother and ask them to spend some time with you, teaching you some of those important concepts. And so I think just putting yourself out there and being okay with not being the smartest person in the room is a good way to start. Those are really good tips because I know learning any new skill can be super overwhelming. And so when thinking about how to build business acumen, I think can be overwhelming for many learning leaders. You shared some great tips here. Do you have any, I'd be interested to hear, like you had mentioned some financial partners in the business. Are there any other people that maybe learning leaders can reach out to, to kind of better understand the goals of the business? I think one of the most crucial partners is whoever your primary business stakeholder is. Learning and design, as I said before, doesn't exist in a bubble. We are always working with the business. And so whether you're working with marketing or sales or operations or customer service, every one of those is driving a financial level. They're either bringing revenue in or they're a cost center and draining revenue, uh, you know, draining, draining costs out. So communicating with them about what their drivers are and really having a conversation that's not about a particular learning project, but just asking them simple questions like, what are your most key drivers? What are the KPIs you're trying to hit? What are the objectives that allow you to get promoted in your, in your role? Those kind of very simple human level questions start getting you closer and closer to the business. Perfect. So we've mentioned a lot of like understanding financials and things like that and those more technical skills. But when looking at building business acumen, are there any other soft skills or any other relational skills that we may need to consider here? And do you have any tips on how to develop those soft skills as a business leader? I think executive presence is a really important one and understanding how to communicate your ideas. And that's something that Mike has been helping me with a lot and that I've really enjoyed practicing. 
you know, it's kind of like a whole different ballpark when you're talking to executives than if you're just talking to your friend. And so I think the way you structure what you're going to say, the tactics you use to be influential, those are all part of business acumen too. Emily is an excellent example of this because it connects to what I think of as, as maybe the great lie of the last century, which is that everyone's a special snowflake and we all just deserve to exist in our, in our magnificence, which I don't disagree with. I think all of us are really unique, amazing individuals, but nobody knows that until they get to know you. When you're talking about executive presence or you're talking about communicating to your business stakeholders, it's important to remember they don't know you yet. They don't know what's special about you. They don't know what's interesting about you. So it's on your obligation to figure out what's important to them as quickly as you can. That just makes the conversation feel more relevant. And the more relevant it feels, the more you're a trusted partner, the more you're a trusted partner, the more you start to pick up on what matters to the business. And that feels, then, then you're in a, a virtuous circle. Then you're in a circle where your importance matters more and their importance matters more. And we, we, we all kind of win in that environment. That's great. You've shared a lot of really great tips and insights today. Um, I'd be interested, are there any other additional things we haven't covered that you think would be worthwhile for our listeners to know about? Ooh, me, me, me. <laughs> yeah. I, I am shocked at how few people listen to their, their company's quarterly earnings statements. It's just, it's free. It's available to all investors. Many of us are, especially if your company is public. It takes 20 minutes, 30 minutes to listen to the top where the, their top executives will almost immediately share what they think is important and a priority for the company. And if you, if you can stick around to the end where you hear investors give a few targeted conversations, and that really starts to get you into the understanding of where the business is going. It's such an easy, free, constantly available opportunity to learn. And I think a lot of people miss it. Do you have any recommendations for learning leaders who may be hitting roadblocks, really trying to understand the goals of the business or meeting with business leaders? Maybe they're um, just not getting the information or data they need to make the decisions for the training function. Do you have any recommendations there? Try to position it to what, how is it going to benefit the person that you're going to? I think taking the focus off you trying to learn business acumen or you trying to figure out what's important and why is that going to help the person you're asking if you know that that's a good point perfect well with that micah emily thank you both so much for speaking with us if you could why don't you both share how our listeners can get in touch with you if they'd like to after the episode sure i'm at micah.jacobson at salesforce.com and pretty easy on LinkedIn, which is where we all connect these days. <laughs> yeah, the best way to reach me is on LinkedIn, just Emily Rico. And I check my LinkedIn a lot. It's such a really interesting place to learn. And I think you can learn a lot about business acumen there too. Emily, that's such a great point. I was going to say the exact same thing. Our minds are synced once more. For more insights on building business acumen and to view the highlights from this episode in animation, Check out the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcast. And as always, don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. We'd greatly welcome your feedback on today's episode and anything else you'd like to share. We'll see you next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at trainingindustry.com or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. 
Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.